0: what's going on everybody this is Dex with the I Am Pitts podcast and I'm finally back I know I know I know I know it's been a little while it's been longer than a week running into almost two weeks you know and it seems like the times between shows are getting longer and longer but that's because I'm in the middle of a life change right now well not life change but you could say career change well not even career change we'll go with the departmental change as you know, I started with the new police department and now I'm on night shift and that has completely thrown my entire life off. So I don't know which way I'm going right now. I don't know if I'm coming or going. I don't know my left from my right. And I'm just generally overall tired because y'all know how I feel about that night shift, boy. That night shift is horrible. I hate it. But I'll be honest, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. But still, I'm still adjusting, still trying to figure things out. So it is what it is. You know, I got to adapt and overcome. But that's why I'm here today, because I was like, you know what? I need to get another show out. It's been too long. And you all know how I feel about consistency. And I try to stay consistent as possible. And because of that consistency, but also realizing on my end, the inconsistencies I have with being able to put the show out like I want to once a week. I was actually offered a great offer from a very popular podcast. I don't want to drop their name on here. I've been on their show a few times and man, they have done great and supported me a lot, but they actually offered me a weekly guest spot on their, on their uh, network for a weekly show. And I was like, man, I was so honored and I, man, these guys are freaking awesome and great. And I wish I could, but just at this point in time in my life right now, I just can't commit to the one day, you know, the. Every Monday is just so hard for me to commit to that, because the last thing I want to do is get this wonderful opportunity and then blow it because I can't hold up my end of the bargain. And just, you know, it's one just one day, just 45 minutes. And it sounds easy and it is doable, but I just have so much going on with my own show. Then my work, then my family. And I tell people I don't do this for money. I don't do this for clout. I do this just because it's a hobby. It's fun and I enjoy it. And I'm, a, I'm able to meet some great cops. I'm able to inspire people. You know, I don't care to get famous to get rich, but this is just what I like doing, and it's a hobby. It's fun, you know. But I don't want to make that commitment to do something weekly, and not being able to not being able able to uphold my end of the bargain, I will look like a piece of crap, and I don't want to do that to them and their network and their show. But I am thankful to these guys just for even looking at me in light in that light, and that is an absolute complete honor. You know, when I started my show back in uh i think it was march of 2021 you know i just would have never never would have thought that i would be at this point where you know just i'm getting offers from people to go do things and it's pretty cool man it's pretty awesome but like i said i'm i'm doing my dream job my dream job is being the police everything else after that it's just fun stuff man this is just fun this is my little thing i create and i enjoy doing it man and i enjoy contact making contact with you all chatting with you all you know i have people hitting me up in the dms on i am on my i am pits one instagram page asking me how to become an officer i'm trying to help people so you know the show does a lot of good a lot more good than i realize and a lot more people listen than i realize and i am appreciative to every single one of those that's why i always feel obligated to put something out but i don't want to put junk out i don't want to put trash out i want to put out a good show a good episode that flows and sounds right and i don't want to just be rambling and sounding stupid and dumb which I probably do on some, but, you know, it happens. It's podcasting. eighty This is 82nd episode. It happens, but I don't want to make that a habit, man. <laughs> but I know everybody's like, right. so where, where have I been? What I've been up to, man. Like I said, just trying to get my life together one little nights, working, you know, trying to take care of the family, the same old, same old. So, you know, I was out the other day and something happened to me. It kind of threw me off guard, really kind of offended me. This is how I know America's further going down the wrong path. Man, we got a new Hardee's where I live at, and I'm not a big Hardee's fan. I don't really eat Hardee's. Don't eat too much fast food in general, but I, I decided, I'm i going to go check out this Hardee's real quick. Give me a little something to eat, you know, since I had some free time. So I go through the drive through. I make place my order. I get to the window and there's this giant brother at the window. And when I say I mean brother, not brother, verify for the white people, black guy, he's a black guy, big brother. Huge guy working the drive-through, man. You now we chatting, wrapping it up. Nah, oh, man, yeah, yeah, laughing, you know. And then it catches me off guard when I go to pay my. Uh, I give him my card, but he uh, he doesn't take the card. He looks at me. He he sticks the uh, <laughs> the payment terminal out the window and looks at me, and I'm looking at him like, why is he doing this? And on it, it says tip. It, like, would I like to leave a tip for me for this guy? for placing a drive-thru order and I'm looking like man what the hell just happened since when do we start tipping people working at a drive-thru when did this go about man I was thinking about this a while ago I had a I went to this Thai restaurant and this lady you know I drove 10 minutes to go pick up my food using my own gas and when I got there I'm like hey there here's your order okay and I pay the pay you know I pay the lady and I leave and I didn't realize I had left my wallet at the place. So she calls me and I come back and she was like, I shouldn't even have called you. You didn't even tip me. I was like, man, you dirty heifer. What? Why would I tip you? You prepped my food and I drove 10 minutes to come pick it up. You ain't worthy of a tip. Now, it'd be different if we're at a restaurant. For example, I took my family to Golden Corral two weeks ago at the church. And the lady that took care of us, man, was freaking phenomenal. Great hostess. Oh, she was great. Wonderful. Just Merry Christmas. God bless you. I mean, took care of us, kept my drink full, kept the bread coming to the table. It was wonderful. Man, when we walked out of there, man, we dropped that lady a twenty five dollar tip just because she was so exceptional. But now we're to the point where you want me to tip you for working at a drive fast food restaurant in the window. Nah, man. And I'm looking at this brother. I'm looking at this dude and I know what he's thinking because we've been sitting here rapping, chatting while I'm waiting for my food. And I know what he's thinking. Come on, brother. Leave me a tip for the culture. Do it for the culture, man. Give me a tip. And I'm just like, man, I know what this dude's going to think if I don't give this dude a tip. He's going to think I'm a sellout. He's going to think I ain't about black people. Oh, you an Uncle Tom. you ain't going to leave me a tip. So the pressure did get to me. I left him a tip, but it was like a tip of like one dollar. Which I didn't even really want to do because I just why am I tipping you for working at a fast food window? Bro, your job is done. You get paid a wage. You didn't pay for the gas for me to get here. I did. That's my dollar. But like I said, I gave to the pressure and I did it. The culture got me. Doing it for the culture. And I'm sure y'all have heard that term before. Especially within the last couple years. Everybody's like, you always hear black people, man, do it for the culture, black man. Do it for the culture, brother. And a lot of people hear that and be like, well, what is the culture, Dex? We don't understand this. I'm going to say there's a lot of white people that don't understand it. But There's some black people that don't understand it either. Me, yeah, I'm black, but I, I understand the culture. But I'll be honest, I don't agree with, quote, unquote, the culture. And people asking, you know, what is the culture? So it's what it is. What it is is black popular culture. And how you how, do, how would one define black popular culture right now? I'm going to tell you how I define black popular culture. It is probably going to offend a lot of people. If you're black and you're listening, you're probably going to be offended. And if you're white and you have white guilt, you're probably really going to be offended. But how do I define current black popular culture? I define it with violence. If you listen to the music that is produced from the black community, hip hop, rap, just listen to the music. I don't even got to tell you the names. Just listen to it. It's all about murdering and killing all that type of garbage. Then sexual promiscuity within the culture. It's everywhere. And I mean, that, you know, that ain't just going to be on the black community. That's just American culture in general right now with everybody wanting to be an ass model on Instagram and on Facebook. That's all it is. But that's, you know, but that really permeates in the black community. I mean, for example, just in the promiscuity, look at the cannon right now. How many babies mamas does this dude have and why? everybody's like man nick cannon the pimp bro he's doing he's doing his thing but i'm like yeah but that's not what a man is and that's not what being a father is just yeah of course all his chicks is bad we are not gonna lie about that but is that really practical and is that really what we want to showcase for the culture for black people in america today is that something we should be proud of nick cannon having like 20 babies mamas heck no that's horrible that's not the culture and then fatherless homes goes back to Nick Cannon. You think he's in all these kids' lives all the, the same time every day? No, he's not there all the time every day. He's just throwing money at these kids, man. And if you look at the black community, I think the rate has gone up now higher to where it's ninety percent of black children are raised in a single parent home with the mother, and that fathers are not absent. I think I told you all about a run I made a couple weeks ago. It was my last run with LMPD where we had, a, I had a young black dude with dreads take off from me in handcuffs. I caught him. And the first thing he said is, nigga, I ain't got no daddy. Like, that has nothing to do with you being a criminal, sir. Nothing at all. But for some of my reason, that's the first thing he thought of. And man, it's so sad and so tragic, but that is just the plight of the black community right now. It's fatherless homes. And like I said, that's, It's very heavy in the black community, but that is also becoming a part of everyday American culture. Unfortunately, American culture, but also the black, the culture, as you know, the black culture. We've made it cool to where it's, hey, you know, just make babies. You don't have to be there. Don't worry. The government's going to step in and raise your children. So that's man, that is a horrible, horrible standard to have. And that's just something that should not be. We should not be proud of. And unfortunately, that is the black community as a whole right now. We are a community of fatherless people. You know, we have young boys trying to raise themselves. We got grandma and grandpa trying to raise these kids, and they've already done it, and they're tired. And then you got single mom out there trying to raise the kids on her own, and mama's working two jobs. And who's at home watching Junior? Nobody. He's in the streets doing whatever, and we see that today in current culture. And we accept that, and we just say, oh, it's not their fault, man. It's white people, the slavery, bro. it's the white boogie man." The white boogeyman did forced you out your home and force did not force you to not take care of your kids. That is a personal choice. You made yourself an option in your child's life. I'm not making myself an option in my kid's life. I'm a must. I refuse to sit and wait for the government or anybody to tell me to step up and be a father and be in my child's life. That's my job. And I'm not asking for permission to raise my children one way or another. And then there's also within the culture, as they call it, material worship, man. And, I guess, and of course, it permeates everywhere in American society, but it is extra in the black community. Unfortunately, when we look at the black community, we got to look at what they cherish, because, man, I challenge you all this. When it comes tax time, get on your social media and look at some of your black friends that are in the, from the hood, still down with the hood. And look at the pictures they're taking. They got all their money laid out, you know, Man, they just sitting there smiling with their money and all their stacks and trying to floss on people. They got all their gold chain chains and they drip on, man. And just look at how some people in the black community, when the New Jordans drop, how everybody gets excited and the lines are out the door. All people care about is, you know, getting that nice car with the big rims. Never mind that they can't afford the gas and the insurance, but they just need to get that nice car and floss. Everybody want to floss on somebody just rolling down the street with that brand new Tahoe that you can't really afford, man. And the the material worship within the black community is so bad. So I have friends that are from Africa. I have a lot of friends that I've asked them, what's the difference between black people in America and black people in Africa. And they, I have heard them say routinely in Africa, we cherish education. We cherish being smart in America. We cherish being cool. We cherish materials. You know, the cool kids in Africa are the ones with A's and B's. You know, and the cool kids in America are the ones with D's and F's, F's. but they got the nice shoes on in the Jordans. And that's what they and that's what we cherish here in America in the culture, man. You can just look at that throughout Hollywood, the music. Everybody wants to be a rapper so they can have the big gold chains, the chicks and the cars, because that's, you know, that's what draws young black American men. And I feel like that's very, very twisted. And because we're just teaching people to chase after materials that aren't gonna provide you happiness. Case in point, Sir Twitch. This is a choreographer guy that killed himself the other day. This is the guy that worked for the Ellen show. This man had a beautiful wife, beautiful family, money, fame, popularity, had it all. Everything you can want material. But guess what? It wasn't enough for him to decide, you know what, I'm gonna I'm not gonna take my life. I'm gonna stay here and stay with my family. But you know, we have people that chase after materials and we see this time and time again. And not just within the black community, but people chase after material possessions that don't bring them earthly joy and happiness. It brings you happiness for a moment, but it will not elevate you out of your depression or out of your lack of self-confidence. It won't elevate you out of your traumas that you suffered in the past. It'll make you feel good for a moment, but it won't make you feel right in the moment when it's time for you to decide, I'm going to stay here and fight for my family and fight to get better health mentally. That stuff's not going to do it for you. Like I said, that's, you know, it's outside of a black culture too. It's an American problem. But I said, it permeates within the black culture, the chasing of wealth. And I said, everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to have money. Everybody wants nice things. I do too. But the problem is when we start sacrificing our morals and our values to get those nice things, and we believe that those nice things are going to give us status. And we believe that those nice things are going to give us the happiness that we've never had and the joy that we are chasing. But it's empty joy and it doesn't last. So that's why I personally say I don't yeah, I have nice stuff. I want nice stuff, but I don't want my nice stuff that I want to have me to where if it goes away, I feel like I'm nothing or nobody. That's not the life I want to live. And that's not what I want to forecast to my children. And lastly, the last way I define the culture, doing it for the culture, the victimhood mentality, victim ideology within the black community is at an all time high. And we see that in the news, how the news takes a criminal like Kenneth Walker here in Louisville, the one that shot a cop during the Breonna Taylor raid here and gets paid two million dollars or how every time somebody black gets killed in the news. Guess what? The news automatically turns that person into a martyr and a hero. It's so bizarre how at one point in time in American history, Yes, black people were being victimized. You know, we had a legit reason to be, you know, victims because because of slavery, Jim Crow. But now we're so far past that. But now we swung to the opposite end of the spectrum to where no matter what a black person does, it's never their fault. We can't hold them accountable. They're just victims, man. We can't we can't let them suffer the consequences of their actions because they're just victims of the system. And that is the one thing that I that just drives me crazy, man about the culture. It's like the whole victim mentality thing, brother. we are so far past a lot of our struggles and no, of course, we've not arrived and there are always going to be issues and struggles, but we are so far along, but somehow we still have this victim mentality and the belief that somebody owes us something, you know? So I hear people constantly say all the time, do it for the culture, man. My thing is what if I don't agree with the culture? What if I don't identify with the culture? You know what happens when you are black and you speak up against the culture? The culture turns on you. The culture comes for you. The culture will cut you down and throw you out and exile you because you don't walk lockstep and agree with everything within the culture. You're not allowed to question the culture. You just have to accept it and do as the culture tells you and fit into the box and wear all the labels that the culture tells you to wear and be who the culture tells you to be. And right now. If there's one black man that's on the receiving end of the negative, the negativity from the culture. And that's coach Deion Sanders, Mr. Primetime. Now I was one of his biggest fans when I was playing in San Francisco, man. Love Deion Sanders. Stand up, dude, stand up athlete, man. But so as you all know, Deion Sanders has been the coach at Jackson state in Mississippi for the last three years. So with Jackson state, his contract was for one point two million dollar deal, and that included at least one hundred and twenty thousand in annual performance incentives and an automatic extension for an eighth eight win season. So the big reason why everybody was excited about Deion Sanders being at Jackson State is because Jackson State is a HBCU. If you don't know what that is, that's a historic black college and university. And see, these are institutions of higher learning that were created in the United States. These schools were established uh, just before the Civil Rights Act in 1964 with the intention of providing and serving the African American community. Why is that? Because, of course, back in the day, say, black people, if you had dark skin, you weren't accepted in this country and you were turned down from a lot of things. I mean, white people did not want black people in their educational establishments, they wanted to keep black people uneducated. So, black people said, The hell with that, we're gonna get our education. So, they started their own colleges and universities. And so, HBCUs typically don't have as much funding or money as other traditional colleges and schools. They don't. That's just that's just always been the case. So when Deion Sanders got his salary, he donated half of his salary to help complete the building of the school's new stadium. What a stand up move. What a stand up move by a stand up guy, Deion Sanders. And so recently the controversy started when University of Colorado Boulder offered Coach Sanders a new contract to come and coach at their school. And he is poised to make $29.5 million over five years. And that's not including potential bonuses and incentives. And boy, when that happened, guess what? Black, when he accepted that offer, oh, the culture went off the chains and went nuts. The culture went a full Alonzo Harris from training day on Coach Sanders. Oh, no, you didn't. Wait a minute. No, you didn't. Hey, hey, Jay, hey, Jay, 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 come back here, Jay. You disloyal, fool-ass, bitch-made punk. Jay,
1: I need my money, Jay. Oh, you motherfuckers, (laughs) okay. All right, I'm putting
0: cases on all you bitches, huh? You think you can do this shit? Yang! You think you can do this to me? You motherfuckers will be playing basketball in Pelican Bay when I get finished with you. Shoe program, nigga. 23-hour lockdown. I'm the man up in this piece. You'll never see the light of you the fuck you think you fucking with. I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Go and walk away because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Oh man, I love I loved Denzel in that clip and <laughs> that part of the movie. And like I said, every time, like every time somebody does something to upset the culture and offend black people, I always imagine the collective of black people talking like Denzel Washington and Training Day to whoever the other person is. And that's how I see them talking to Coach Sanders right now, because of him making this decision to go and teach at this other college for a lot more money. And then to make it even worse, here in Louisville we have a pastor. Who I know very well, unfortunately. <laughs> it's a uh, Louisville pastor, Dr. Kevin Cosby. Not only is he a predominantly a pastor, he has the largest Black congregation in the state of Kentucky, and also he is the head chair and president of the another HBCU here in Louisville called Simmons College. And he put out a tweet about Deion Sanders accepting this offer, and it said, "I want Deion to fail." Colorado is for the black classes. Carter G. Wilson has a whole chapter in the miseducation of the Negro on black professionals, leaving black institutions. He said, this is a classic example of miseducation. So when Kevin, Reverend Kesman Cosby put that out, it set a whole nother, another set of problems in a blaze and people like, man, let that man get his money. Then, you know, people, you know, Deion Sanders to sell out. Cause he's leaving the HBCU to go teach at this white university. And of course, the Revin Cosby decides to walk back that comment and he puts out another official statement that says recently on Twitter, I made the comment that I hope Deion Sanders fails in his move from HBCU Jackson State University to the University of Colorado Boulder. My statement was not intended to dis- disperse or to wish him ill will upon Deion on a professional level when I said, I hope he fails. Well, what else would you mean or in, what was it? I don't understand the intent of making that su- Of that saying, I hope he fails. I hope he fails is pretty evident of what you hope to happen to the man. There's really no way to spin that. Then Jamil Hill, the race baiting, far left leaning sports, failed sports commentator. She writes an article that says about Deion Sanders disappointing exit. The former NFL star got a great new coaching job. But what happens to schools like Jackson State? So I'll be honest in this article, she didn't really crap on Deion Sanders for taking the job. But what she does is kind of point out the plight of African-Americans or black people in America at these HBCUs and the differences between HBCUs funding versus larger schools that are predominantly white. And so in the article, she states if Sanders deserves blame for anything, it's for helping advance the false notion that one person's achievement can somehow defeat decades of neglect. And so, okay, so, I understand what point that Reverend Kevin Cosby and Jamil Hill are making about HBCUs, you know, not having the money, and that these white schools, as they're calling it, white institutions, could come in with their big paychecks and scoop up these guys, and you know, give these guys an offer that they can't turn down to come to the school and and coach. I understand that HBCUs are typically underfunded. I understand that it's not fair that they don't have as much money, but I just disagree with them coming down on Coach Sanders for doing so. I mean, all this hate. I mean, this is why I don't believe in doing anything for the culture. This is why I don't automatically sign up and align myself with people just because we share the same skin color. I mean, these are the same people. The ones throwing hate and shade at Coach Sanders. These are the same folks who were saying some of the most hateful, vile, disrespectful and disgusting things to me as a police officer on the front lines during 2020 because I have black skin. But I was wearing a blue police uniform. I don't do anything for the culture because I've seen what the culture really is. I refuse to be a part of it. I don't want to be in your cool black kids club. I don't need your approval. I don't need you to sign off on anything I want to do in my goals and my dreams and my desires and my passions. I don't need your expertise on how to raise my family when you're not even in the cultures, not even participating in the whole family model of the nuclear family. I don't do anything for the culture. You know why? Because the culture ain't paying my damn bills. The culture ain't filling up my gas tank. The culture ain't feeding my kids. The culture ain't contributing to my 401k. The culture ain't there for me in the midnight hour when i need real help therefore guess what i don't give a damn what the culture thinks or what the culture wants because the culture ain't putting in on anything that i have i work my ass off for everything i have in my life right now and it wasn't because of the culture see the culture that they're speaking of that's not the culture i was raised under that's not the culture that my grandparents from mississippi raised us, raised up my parent my family to be up under that is not my culture american black popular culture that does not speak for me or my family. You don't speak for my skin tone. My identity is not wrapped up in the color of my skin. My character doesn't come from the color of my skin. My character and personal values and beliefs don't come from my culture. That comes from my upbringing, from my grandparents, from what I was raised to believe. I'm an individual. I don't need you to the culture to co-sign on who I am. And all these people throwing hate at Coach Sanders, they all know damn well. If they were offered a contract for $29.5 dollars over five years, they would say the hell with the culture too and take the job. Because let's be honest, loyalty to the culture only goes so far, especially when you throw that them greenbacks in there. When you start throwing money in there, nobody cares about the culture when it comes to money. Black Lives Matter is all about the culture. Supposedly, where's all the money at that they've raised over the years, the millions of dollars? Black Lives Matter ain't done a damn thing for the culture. And Patrice Cullors, the creator of Black Lives Matter, the CEO, the founder. She used the black plight in America and this perceived victimhood and victim victim state that's currently in America, where all the poor black people being killed by police. We got to help them. She used that to her own benefit. She used capitalism. You know what, her, know what she did? She used that black plight to get those green papers with the dead white men presidents on them. That's what she did, she got that money, chucked the deuces, said goodbye, went and bought herself a couple of mansions, and ain't been seen since. This chick ain't put a dime into the black community, ain't did a damn thing for the culture, but guess what? The culture ain't stood up and said nothing about it. The the culture still rides with the foolishness from Black Lives Matter, but y'all wanna get on Coach Deion Sanders, a black man that worked his ass off to get to where he is today, to be one of the best in the games of football they ever have ever played, to be a great coach, and now y'all want to crap on this man for taking a job for twenty nine point five million dollars. This is why I don't get down with the culture. It is what they a lot of people call the crabs in a bucket mentality. The moment a black person steps outside of the cultural lines and does something to benefit himself and his family. And he starts to climb out of that poverty and out of that culture. Oh, nigga, you a sellout. You wish you're you're a white man now, huh? yeah that's why i don't get down with this foolishness coach Sanders, go get your money bro go get your money don't worry about these fools don't worry about these hateful ass negroes because if they were in your shoes they would take that money too you know and a lot of people wonder and ask like where does this culture this duel for the culture thing come from where does this need for us to be super tight and be one think alike look alike and act alike come from you know like i said you got to look back into american history Black people's history in America. Let's be honest. It's been it's, it's been a rough go, man. No one can deny that. You know, hundreds of years of slavery, you know, it gave, you know, it gave white people an economic head start in this country. If you deny that, you're crazy. You're an idiot. You know, then there was Jim Crow. You know that there were so many barriers to black people in this country during the 60s, man, during the civil rights area. And I mean, and it, it hurt the black community. I mean, the withholding of education from black people, it hurt us. I mean, heck, even the veteran, black World War Two veterans who came back from fighting for America were denied benefits from the federal government. To help them improve their lives and get home loans and get education that hurt the black community. And then you got to look at things like the unprovoked violence that black people in America have suffered over the years at the hands of white people. Now, now I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about back in the day. I'm talking about like the Black Wall Street massacre in Oklahoma back in the I think the 50s. Then you also had the Rosewood massacre in Florida. And then you also had things like the Emmett Till abduction in uh, Money, Mississippi. And see, these are the type of things that pulled the black community together. And we became a real tight knit and tight knit community. Then you had to because it was about survival back then. And I'm not, you no know, I'm not blind or insensitive to all that. I know all this stuff. That's all part of my history. Man, my freaking family, like I told you, my family's from Mississippi. Where Emmett Till was killed at in Money, Mississippi, where my family's from, that's an hour from where my family is from, you know? And if y'all don't know about the whole Emmett Till thing, man, that's a young black kid that was, you know, a, he's from Chicago. He goes down to Mississippi to visit his family. And while he's there in a store, he whistles at a lady, a white lady. Her name was Carolyn Bryant Donham. And well, guess what? This lady gets upset. She calls her husband and her and all her white friends. They come and they find Emmett Till. They take him out. They abduct him from his uh, family's home and they take him and they beat him to death and they shoot him and then throw him in the river. And they found his body later. And nothing ever happened to these guys and these people after the trial. They went to a trial and they were all found not guilty. And guess what? 68 years later, there's still no justice. But I just saw an article here the other day that in Kentucky, this lady, Miss Carolyn Bryant Dunham, she is still alive. She's 90 years old and she has evaded prosecution. You no, know, it's been 68 years with no justice for the Emmett Till case. And people are now down in Bowling Green in Kentucky protesting, wanting her to be locked up and charged. Although, from what I read, there's still no new evidence that could to come to light to actually prosecute this lady. But see, that's why I'm glad that I'm a Christian, because I know what the Bible tells me. And I know it sucks to hear, ladies and gentlemen, but sometimes things happen on earth and there is no justice. But I believe I know I serve a just God who makes the things that are wrong on this earth right. We might not see it in our time. It might not. I say it's justice always comes, but it might not be in this lifetime. It'll be in the next lifetime. She's going to have to answer for what she did to God one day. I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, and for 68 years for no justice, I understand the anger. But the culture wants me to be mad at this lady who's still alive that took part in this horrible incident. But I can't be mad because this lady's never done anything to me. I can't hold a grudge against somebody I don't know that hasn't hurt me. And that's why I follow the Bible. And the Bible tells me, guess what? You need to forgive people. And it's not even for me to forgive her because she didn't do anything to me. That's for the Till family and the people that were his family and friends and all those that are connected. That's for that's for them to forgive her, because, like I said, eventually she's 90. She's going to die soon, but she's going to eventually face justice and have to answer to God. And for me, that's good enough. It might not be for some people, but I've learned in this lifetime that sometimes justice just does not come and work out the way we want it. And we have to forgive so we can move on. So I understand the plight of the black community in America although I don't agree with how the black community is responding to their quote unquote plight in America which I don't really think we have a plight anymore. It's like we have a cultural issue with the black community. It ain't America's not not perfect by any means but America's not going out of their way to you know get in the black people black people's way to keep them down. That's because of the things we have endorsed within the culture. And that has to change. People want me to respect and be loyal to the skin color and to the culture. But the people in the culture, you see, they don't respect my personal sovereignty, my individual liberty and my freedom of thought because it does not align with the current culture. And that's why I just get so tired of hearing do it for the culture. Well, what is the culture doing for me? Nothing. You know, somewhere along the line, somewhere along the black people's journey in America, the culture got lost and it's off course and off track and the culture has lost its mind and I ref- like I said I refused to toe the culture party line just to be accepted all that hate for Deion Sanders but like I said not a damn word about BLM and their misappropriation of funds I mean because we're talking about HBCUs how much money has Black Lives Matter donated to any HBCUs none But you want to get on Deion Sanders for taking an opportunity that he worked his ass off for to better his life and better his family. Not buying it, not playing into it. And speaking of doing it for the culture, guess who else is doing it for the culture? Louisville Mayor-elect Craig Greenberg is doing it for the culture for sure. As I told y'all, we have a new mayor-elect in town in Louisville taking over, I believe, January 2nd. And as I told you all in the last episode, he has already let us know that LMPD's current chief, well, no longer chief anymore, but Chief Shields has stepped down and resigned in lieu of what she said, politics. And if y'all remember that in the last episode, I told you all what Craig Greenberg was about. He's all about that DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I told you, I don't know who the new chief is going to be or the interim chief, but I can tell you and promise you this one thing, they ain't going to be white. And boy, was I right. So after Chief Shields resigned, her number two in charge, who came with her from Atlanta. Jacqueline Gwen Villarello, I can never say that name. My Spanish is horrible. Y'all my bad. (laughs) I know what y'all think. I mean, you was down on the border. I was and I was horrible at it. (laughs) You know, but she is now the new interim chief for LMPD. And honestly, a lot of guys are happy about it. I've met her a couple times, man. She's not a bad person. I think she's a good leader. I think a lot of people actually like her more than Chief Shields because she's a bit more personal, personable and a bit more approachable. But personally, I felt like he might as well have left Chief Shields in charge and in, in her current position until the new administration took over. Just because I feel like they're the same person, not policy wise, they're the same person, I believe. I mean, of course, they're not the same person. They have their own individual ideals and beliefs and systems. But honestly, man, policy wise, they're the same people. And a lot of people are wondering why would he put her in instead of just keep Chief Shields in? What did I tell y'all? He's doing it for the culture, man. He's like, well, what can make it better for me coming in as new mayor to appease the people in this city and to go with current national trends that are so invested in diversity, equity and inclusion? I'm gonna swap out one female for another, but I'm gonna swap it out for one white female for a black female. Boom, magic. Everybody love me. Like I said, Chief Shields didn't want to say it, but of course, she, you know, all Chief Shields said was, oh, it's a political reasons. Let's be honest. It's political, identity politics at its best. It's gonna make Craig look good. Let me put a black female in charge. And I'm not saying this to say that Chief that Ch- Chief Rail is not qualified. I want to go ahead and stake that right here. Like she, she's been in law enforcement for 25 plus years. She did her time on the streets in Atlanta. She worked as a detective for almost 10 years. Then per started promoting and going through the ranks, man, I have nothing against her and I wish her the best of luck in the position because my God, it's going to be a tough road. She has a tough job, but man, I will not take that from her and just say she got it because she was black. All I'm saying is it just, that gave her a leg up on the competition if there was anybody else. LMPD is all about checkbox hiring right now. That's what we want. They just want to diversify. They want more people of color in. That's all they care about right now. And like I said, I think he made a good choice with her because she's clearly qualified. And I think she has a lot of respect to the frontline troops. I said, I've met her on occasions and like I said, she's really nice, very approachable. And I ain't gonna lie, man, she stood her ground at our roll call one morning when she came in to visit us and answer some questions. And I ain't gonna lie, man, I was pushing her. A lot of people, when she opened up the floor for officers to speak freely, a lot of officers were like, nah, I ain't saying nothing. I ain't got nothing to say. Oh, I trust me, best believe Dexter Pitts kicked it off and started asking all the hard questions. And once I started asking questions, guess what? Everybody else got a little bit more comfortable and they started hitting her with questions. And of course, she did the whole, you know, politician song and dance, dance and song and, you know, gave us the political answers that because she can't answer some questions honestly and faithful and truly because of her position, which I think is garbage, which is what most politicians and police leaders do. But by the time she left, I felt like she really did care. And I've also been told that she's really big into DEI, man. She's all about that diversity, equity and inclusion. But she seems to, like I said, she seems to have the support of the troops. So one of my buddies hit me up and was like, man, we're glad it's her. A lot of people are glad it's her. So that's a step in the right direction. But like I said, she's only going to be here until Greenberg selects who's going to be his permanent new chief. And boy, it's going to be interesting. But I still stand by what I said last week. Whoever it is, they ain't going to be white. <laughs> and speaking of still doing it for the culture, guess who else is doing it for the culture? everybody's least favorite president fjb mr let's go brandon this guy you know i made a post the day after Brittany grider got released and i said biden is doing this for clout for the black and gay lgbtq alphabet community that's the reason he freed her and guess what Dextradamus is right again. Oh, it's almost like I know the Democrat playbook and like I've seen all this stuff before. And guess what happened? You know, Biden's press secretary gets up there the following day and gives this whole statement.
1: While we're celebrating Britney's return home today, we have also uh, continued to be in touch with the Whelan family for whom this news brings mixed emotions. In recent weeks, it became clear that while Russians were willing to reach an agreement to secure Brittany's release, they continued to treat Paul Whelan differently given the nature of the totally illegitimate charges they have levied against Paul. Unfortunately, the choice became to either bring Brittany home or no one. As the President said this morning, he will, he will never stop working to secure Paul's release and return home, and he will not give up. On a personal note, Brittany is more than an athlete, more than an Olympi- Olympian. She is an important role model and inspiration to millions of Americans, particularly the LGBTQI plus Americans and women of color. She should never have been detained by Russia, and uh, we are, I am, deeply proud of the work that the president has done, this administration has done, to get her home.
0: Like I said, I know the play before they snap the ball. And if anybody's paying attention, you would all see this as well. I mean, this is not hard to figure out. You know, and there, why would the president trade an arms dealer, Victor Boot, the merchant of death, for a black lesbian basketball player over a... Marine that's locked up over there. Currently you have to ask yourself who has more political capital for the Biden administration. Of course it's Brittany Griner. You can't be offended if you already know what's going to happen. And not just that, <clears throat> we have to look at the Biden administration's recent track record when it comes to pandering to minorities and other groups that believe in living an alternative lifestyle. So for example, What is the first thing President Biden did when he realized he was going to win when he wanted? He knew he wanted to become president. What did he do? What did he do to show that he was diverse and inclusive? He chooses Kamala Harris as a vice president. He didn't choose Kamala Harris because she was smart and good at what she did. That is clearly obvious. Man, when's the last time y'all heard or seen Kamala Harris in public anywhere in the last few months? Nowhere. They have to hide her cackling ass. Because she is a detriment to the office and to the Democratic Party. He only chose her because what? It's a checkbox. Hey, man, what's going to really get me in with the black people? Remember the ones I told y'all, if you don't black vote for me, you ain't black? How can I make them black people happy? Let me put in a half Indian, half black person. We're going to pawn her off as all black. And then we're going to send her out to New York City wearing a pair of Timberlands and really get in touch with the black folk for the vote. That's President Biden for you. Hence why we have the cackling vice president who has been absolutely absent the last few months. Then we also have to look at him selecting Rachel Levin to become the first openly transgender four-star officer in the nation's eight uniformed services. Y'all don't know who Rachel Levin is. It's the ugly transgender dude that's trying to be a female, hideous, the ugly man and a ugly woman. I don't know too many trans people that can pull that off, but he definitely checks both boxes. But my God, he put him in the office as the administrator of like a uh, human health and human safety service or whatever. Freaking strange office that person's in. And then you also have to look at who we selected as his recent press secretary, Karine Jean Pierre, who, by the way, is a horrible at her job as press secretary. You, you know, you, to be a press secretary, you have to be a good liar. Boy, she is horrible. Jinsaki was so much better. And I'm not a Jen Psaki fan. But my gosh, she at least did the job for the president. This chick is awful. And see, with Jean Pierre, she was quick to let you know that, guess what? She's the first black female to hold the spot. And not only that, she's an immigrant and she's gay. So guess what? Biden's just checking all them boxes for them votes. You no, know, the Biden administration also put in Sam Brenton. Who's recently just got fired from his position? If y'all don't know who that is, he is the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Spent Fuel and Waste de- Disposition at the Department of Energy's Office of Nuclear Energy. Boy, talk about a word soup from the federal government. <laughs> what a, like what kind of made up position is this, bro? That's the problem with the federal government. Federal government just be making up positions and jobs and just spend money. So that guy, he's the guy that wasn't traveling and stealing luggages, luggage at the suit at the, uh, at the airports, you have a Biden official traveling, stealing people's luggage. And he is the, like I said, he's openly, he's the first openly non-binary person in a federal office. And he's the champion of the Biden administration. Like, look at what we did. Look who we put in the office. Or look at, look at our non-binary person we have here. That's a freaking mental case. Not only did he steal one set of luggage, this fool stole, did it again. He stole two sets of luggage, two times. And this is the man that the Biden administration thought was a great ideal to put as the head of an office. Like we are living in strange times, ladies and gentlemen. And then to make it worse. So the other day, you know, Biden signs the fair not the how with that act was the fair equality marriage act to protect the rights of the LGBTQ community to get, get married, which they should be able to get married. And if they want to get married, that ruling should not be reversed. And they said, Dexter has a Christian. How can you say that? Because I told you all as a Christian, me being a Christian is one thing. And me also being an American is another thing I can't impose what I believe as a Christian on other people in this country. Yes, I believe that marriage is sacred that is between a man and a woman. But guess what? There's people that don't believe that. And that's okay. There's people, I have friends that are gay that are get that get married and I'm like, "Hey, congratulations. Welcome to the club of misery." Okay? <laughs> so I don't care if gay people are getting married. Not my problem. That's for them and God. That's between them and they do your thing, man. You give me an invite to your wedding, Hey, I'll probably be there just because I know you and I like you as a person. Don't have to agree with your lifestyle, but hey, I think you're cool. And I wish you many years of happiness and matrimony. But what does President Biden do to but what does President Biden do at this signing of this bill to try to really drive it home for the people to show that he's all about equality and fairness? This fool invites a drag queen named Marty Gold Cummings to the White House to be part of the signing of the marriage protection bill. Yeah, well, like I said, Marty's a drag queen, which I don't have a problem with. Dude, if you are a dude and you want to dress like a chicken dance and get dollars from adults and not children, I support you. I support you living your life to the fullest. If you want to be a grown up and you want to decide to transition, go ahead. That is what I went to Iraq for. That is what I pledged an oath and allegiance to the Constitution for. If you want to chop off your junk and genitals, you're a dude and you want to get some double D's on you. I'm not going to stop you. I support you just don't push that crap off on our children anytime children get involved with anything you're gonna be my enemy because i believe in protecting the children at all costs but the problem with this drag queen is this drag queen dude made a tweet in march of this year and in that tweet he said the kids are out to sing and suck d if you don't know what he means by sucking d he means sucking dick Yes, it's vulgar. I hate to say it, but that's what the D stands for. I'm not just trying to be vulgar. Just trying to explain it to you, people. That's all. Don't come. Don't be mad at me. Be mad at the drag queen that's going to the White House that said that kids are just out to sing and suck dick. Why would he say that? And why would the president of the United States invite this person to the White House? Are you all seeing the pattern here? That's a problem. And you can't sit here and tell me that the Biden administration didn't do their homework and their research on this dude before they decided to invite him to the White House. I know they've seen this tweet, but still they did it. That's a problem. And you know what else I noticed It's something about the Democrats and their lack of negotiating and their lack of bargaining skills that they have. They keep making the worst trades and swaps for prisoners that I've ever seen in my lifetime. I don't know if y'all remember the whole Bur- Bo Bergdahl prison swap. That was uh, back in 2015. But uh, so, if you don't remember Bo Bergdahl, he's an American soldier serving in Afghanistan in 2009. Well, they said he was captured by the Taliban. What, well, what had really happened was homeboy had some beef with the American government and the war strategy and plan. And he decides, you know what, I'm just done with this. And he walks off his base and just walks out into the Afghanistan, Afghanistan. Nobody with him, just him and his lonesome and he's walking and then he comes across in contact with the Taliban and they take him prisoner. And that Burke spark sparks off a dust search. If you don't know what a dust swan is, anytime a military member goes missing or is missing in action or proceeded to be taken prisoner, they call it a dust wand. So during the search, six U.S. Army soldiers are killed the whole entire time that they're looking for Bo Bergdahl, who deserted his country, deserted his unit and deserted his brothers and sisters in uniform at the time of war. And guess what happened? So Obama, you know, they do their thing. They find out that he's been taken prisoner. This guy's been held prisoner for years over in Afghanistan because he decided to walk off and desert. Well, Obama decides that they're going to trade five Taliban prisoners from Guantanamo Bay for the traitorous-ass Sergeant Bo Bergdahl. That, that trade happened in May 31st of 2014. I mean, a horrible trade. We give up five people for one traitor. Five people for one deserter. And that's just people. These are like high level ranking you know, Taliban guys that want to kill Americans. They've been locked up in Guantanamo Bay forever. And we let five of them go for one. One that nobody else wanted back. So why should we be surprised that Biden took a page out of Obama's book, Obama's How to Bargain Badly for <laughs> for Your Country book, and we've traded Britney Grider for the merchant of death, a dope smoking, in, uh, dope smoking basketball player for a man that has bad intentions and wants to kill a lot of Americans and sell a lot of weapons to people, especially when you consider how Joe Biden and the administration comes against arms dealing and weapons. And they're so against weapons, but yet they let this guy back out into the world. It makes no sense. And I also, let me say that, you know, I'm definitely not a fan of the Brittany Grider trade. That is horrendous. It's right up the Democrats alley for dumb stuff they've done and done. But I'm also not a fan of people calling the guy, the Marine, the former Marine, Paul Whelan as a hero. So the whole big issue with this thing was, you know, why would he leave a he- why? an American hero over there? He- he's a Marine. We got to get the Marine. Well, let me hear you. Let me tell you all something. And there's going to be some Marines that are listening to this that are going to get mad. There's going to be some super pro patriots and far right-leaning people that are going to hear this and be mad at me. You're probably going to click the unfollow button, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. They keep saying he's a Marine. No, he was a Marine, and he was not only dishonorably discharged, he, was, he got a bad conduct discharge. And there's a big difference between dishonorable discharge and a bad conduct discharge. You see, a bad conduct discharge, unlike a administrative discharge, it's a punitive discharge that can only be given by a court martial. It's either a special or general court martial as a punitive to an enlisted service member. See, bad conduct discharges are often preceded by a period of confinement in military prison. And so you can't be discharged under a bad conduct discharge until you've done your time in the, in the military jail. Then after that's done, then you are dishonorably discharged. And then once you're done and out with the bad conduct discharge, you forfeit all your freaking benefits that you, you know that you work to earn. You get nothing finito, zero zilch. Nada. You don't get anything. And that's what Paul Whalen did. He received a bad conduct discharge and was put out and see people make it seem like he was a hero, like he was taken hostage or taken prisoner in Russia while in the Marine Corps like he was on some sort of super secret operation. He wasn't. He was over there attending a wedding in a civilian capacity, not a military capacity. And I know what you're thinking, once a Marine, always a Marine. Well, if you want to say that, once a Marine, always a Marine, or once a soldier, always a soldier. If you're going to say that, I need you to be able to at least pass the standard PT test and also still live your life with some of the same principles that guide soldiers while they're in service and Marines while they're in service. Because nothing about Paul Whalen's service Even though he did serve many years, goes back to the Marine Corps motto of "Semper Fidelis," which means "Always Faithful," or the Marine Corps values of honor, courage, and commitment. So, my research into Paul Whelan, I came across his court martial, which was in January 2008, and he had several charges related to larceny, and he was sentenced to 60 days restriction. He was also faced a reduction in pay to E4 and received a bad conduct discharge. Reports suggest that the charges against Paul were an attempted larceny, making a false statement, 10 specifications of uttering checks without having sufficient funds in his account for payment, wrongfully using another social security number, and three specifications of dereliction of duty. And not only that, he was doing this to his fellow Marines that he was serving with. So I don't want to hear that Paul Whalen's a hero, and I don't want to hear that Paul Wayland's some awesome guy that would just got taken hostage because he was a Marine. No, that is not the case. That is not the case. Now I can tell you why In an article I read, he said he was wondering why he's not home yet. I can tell you why, because you're white and you're a military, a prior service military guy. You have no political capital for the Biden regime, brother. That is why you're still over there. But at the same time, you no, you went over there and did some foolishness. I don't know if what the Russians alleged against you was true or not. All I'm saying is, hey, you made your choices. You went to Russia. Hey, man, the same with Brittany Grider. She made her choices and went to Russia and did something she knew she shouldn't have done and got caught. So I don't want to hear this. Brittany Grider's a hero and we don't want to thank. We want to thank her for her sacrifices. I could not believe that Steph Curry, the NBA player, said that the other night at an award ceremony. He said, "Thanked her for her sacrifice at the release." I want to believe that Steph Curry possibly was nervous in the moment and misspoke, because I want to know what she sacrificed. That's not a sacrifice. That's a stupid decision on her behalf. She's not a hero, but Brittany Grider, you know, she better be counting her lucky stars that she's home. You no, know, like I said, the only reason that she's home because she's black, she's a celebrity, and she's a lesbian. That's the only reason. Otherwise. They would have left her ass over there just like they left Paul Whelan over there. And you see, the other thing I noticed with this whole incident is I noticed another rift in the American public when it came to Brittany Grider being released over Paul Whelan. You now, it's those who support Brittany Grider versus those who support Paul. And like I said, I'm not a big fan of either. I think they're both dumb for what they did. And I, I didn't like Brittany Grider's protests, but this is America and she has the right to protest. But what got me was, man, my buddy made a post about it. And, they, man, this post got like 150 people on there commenting, going back and forth. And y'all know me, man, but I don't really get involved in the whole back and forth with people on Instagram or, you know, Facebook. I, I just don't have time or the energy. I, ain't got, I am not doing it, man. This never-ending debate with somebody I'm never going to win over. But I saw a comment from a girl that I went to school with I know her. I ain't gonna say I know her, know her well, but I know of her good enough, you know, and she made this comment and it just kind of took me back. And so she said the flag is a piece of cloth. I don't care about the flag. And I come from a family of military service members. And my first thought is, you know, what? spoken like a true spoiled American who's never really had to sacrifice anything to take part and use the freedoms that she has to speak up against this country and the crap on her own flag. You know, and it's just, you know, made my heart skip a beat for a second and I got angry for a split second. But I realized it's social media and I'm not giving my energy to that comment. So instead of arguing with her back and forth, I made a small post in relation to it on my personal page. And I said, I read someone's response on a post tonight about Brittany Grider that' standing for the pledge that said the anthem is just a song and the flag is just a piece of cloth. That is easy to say when you have never stepped foot on foreign soil during a time of war with that flag on your shoulder. And the only thing you want is to live the next few months or year to get back home to what that flag represents. It's easy to say they mean nothing if you have never shed your blood on the battlefield for either or seen your friends or loved ones casket holding their remains draped with the American flag. It is so easy to write those two things off. When you have never had to personally sacrifice your comfort or your life for those freedoms and are living the good life built off the back of other sacrifices. Now, that is where we are in America, where people say it's just a flag, bro. It's not just a flag, man. It's more than that. That is a that is symbolism. That's that flag symbolizes so much. It symbolizes The millions of Americans who have died since the inception of our country so that we can live the life we live currently today in America. Yeah, America's not perfect. We got issues, man. But guess what? The American flag does not give you your freedoms. But like I said, it is a symbol of our freedoms and that we and we should respect that. When you crap on the American flag, you are pretty much crapping on your own rights and saying I shouldn't be allowed to protest under the First Amendment. I shouldn't be allowed to do this. When you step on the American flag and burn it, you are burning up your own rights. You're saying that you don't agree with the founding fathers believing that people should be able to govern themselves. You don't agree with the founding fathers and you you believe that the government should stop you from speaking your mind when you tarnish and step on the American flag, because that's what the flag represents freedom. Other countries don't necessarily have that, so to say that the flag is just a piece of cloth. It's very short-sighted, very narrow-sighted, and it's a very spoiled American thing to say. It's just a piece of cloth. Man, I'll tell you what, man, one of the most powerful moments in my life, and I wrote about it in my book, I Am Pitt's Memoirs of an American Patriot. When they rolled me off that bus after I had been blown up in Iraq, and I was sure I was gonna die, and I was not gonna make it home, when they rolled me off that bus in Walter Reed, And they laid that American flag quilt over me and they said, welcome home, soldier, man. Oh, oh boy, it it gets me almost every time when I think about it because of what this country means. And so I was so thankful to be back here and I was so thankful to have that flag, that American flag, just that piece of beautiful cloth laying over me that I almost died for. Knowing when I was over there in Iraq, I didn't think I was going to make it back home. But that piece of cloth kept me going, man. And man, just that cloth laying on my lap, it just did something to me, y'all. It, I got so emotional. I, I had not cried in forever. And man, it meant so much to me. So to, just to hear her say, you know, my daddy served, but it's just a piece of cloth. Yo, your daddy served. You didn't serve. And that's the problem with America today. We don't have people that are willing and wanting to serve anymore. They just want freedom, but they don't want to do what it takes to maintain your freedom. You know, and the anti-American sentiment that's gripped this country over the last few years, it still blows my mind. I don't get it. Just spoiled little Americans, man. They they take what we have for granted. And I believe one of my favorite speeches is from uh, Ronald Reagan. And I remember he said this in one of his speeches. Perhaps you and I have lived too long with this miracle to properly be appreciative. Freedom is a fragile thing, and it's never more than one generation away from extinction. It is not ours by way of inheritance. It must be fought for and defined, defended constantly by each generation, for it comes only once to a people, and those in world history who have known freedom and then lost it have never known it again. Chilling words from President Reagan, because I see American citizens Politicians and government offices working and being paid for by big tech to silence opposing American voices and suppress American freedoms and to suppress information and the truth. That is why we need and have to have the First Amendment. But that is also why we have to respect the flag, because the flag, although some just a piece of cloth, it represents so much more than just a piece of cloth. That flag has been carried in so many battles and has laid over so many Young dead men and women's remains because they thought it was important enough to go travel to the other side of the world to fight people and die for you to have the right to say the crazy, horrible things that you're saying. You know, personally, I tell you, it's been an it was an honor for me to serve my country, to serve in Iraq. It was an honor for me to shed my blood for this country. And I am so glad to be back home. I will never take that for granted. And I will make sure that my kids don't take it for granted, because if I would have died over here, they would not be here now. And like I said, yeah, Britney Griner is allowed to protest the American America and the Anthem. And that stupid comment by that I don't want to say a stupid person, but a narrow minded, narrow sided person about the flag just being a you know piece of cloth. Oh, I can take you to Arlington Cemetery and show you so many men and women that I know that have fought for this country honorably, that would tell you otherwise that it's not just a piece of cloth. Like I said, I respect your daddy serving. But you didn't serve. You haven't sacrificed. So therefore, you don't appreciate the flag and you don't appreciate what that flag brings to you here in America. You know, Americans say some of the stupidest things I've ever heard. And they say these stupid things from a place of privilege because they haven't had to sacrifice. You know, you have people, people like directors, James Cameron, who say pardon my life, just dumb shit. And people just eat it up for some. I ain't gonna say people eat it up say people on the far left and on the fringes typically eat it up but this fool James Cameron said that testosterone is a toxin that men should work out of their system I find this very awkward and contradictory just because James Cameron we all know man this man is he makes some good movies bro I'm not gonna lie the man has made some bangers a lot of great James Cameron movies out there and but he has made an empire and a built a huge living off of movies filled based on testosterone. For example, the Terminator series, who doesn't love Terminator? i be Bach. People still quoting that 20, 30 years later, man. Then you got Rambo first blood. If anybody's watched Rambo, there ain't nothing in there, but violence, blood, and a lot of murder and a lot of killing. Just dudes going, just one dude going to killing everybody. Then you also have, you know, True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Great freaking movie. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is a man amongst men. Well, you want to talk about being overfilled with testosterone. That dude, man, back in the 80s and 90s, the the best superhero, live action superhero we've had of my lifetime. But yet you have James Cameron calling, saying that testosterone is a toxin and men need to work it out of our system. If he believes that, how come he doesn't cast more men like him in his films that are absolute beta cucks that wouldn't be able to defend themselves against anybody or anyone that would try to hurt him or his family? I can't believe this guy, man, like the nerve to say to say this, but still base all your movies off of these masculine men. I don't understand it. You know, just stick to making movies, man. That's all you need to do. Stick to making movies. Keep your opinion to yourself, because clearly you have no clue what you're talking about testosterone is a bad thing brother i I want some more testosterone i need some more i'm getting older i know it's getting low man but speaking of testosterone i can tell you somebody that is not lacking on testosterone that is officer christian goggins from the phoenix police department if you don't know who he is he recently made headlines and waves in the news this past the past few days as being the phoenix police officer who was in trouble and under investigation for making porno on the clock. Yes, you heard me correct people. My man is putting in that work, pumping them hips and busting loads and strange women while he's on the clock for the Phoenix police department. Okay. Now this guy's only been on the police department a very, very short time. And I'm trying to figure out how is it? Why is it that he's already on what they call home assignment that early in his career? So I don't know if he's already off for another investigation, because the PD is keeping this thing kind of on the down low and on the lock. So but while he's been off, he's still been getting paid by the department and he's been traveling back and forth between Phoenix and Las Vegas to make adult content. You know, I saw this story and I want to say that I was shocked. But honestly, I'm not. I've been in policing a long time, at, you know, going on 13 years at this point. There's nothing I you can tell me about a cop that I was like, oh my God, I can't believe he did that. I'm like, yeah, I could absolutely see it. I'm not surprised at all. I've seen a lot in this profession. I've seen a lot of cops come and go. And I've seen, I've, no, I am not seeing, but I've read reports of officers having sex while on duty. I've seen videos of officers having sex while on duty. I, I hate to say it, but it happens. So I'm not shocked at this at all. But you gotta look at the time period this young officer was hired. He was hired two years ago in 2020. And what happened in 2020? 2020 was the year of, hey yo, fuck 12. 2020 was the year that the media, politicians, everybody decided that police officers would be public enemy number one. And that we were the worst people on the face of the earth. And so what happened with that? There was a large mass exodus of police officers. People retiring early and it's still going on today. Hell, I just ran into another officer I used to work with in Louisville that's leaving at the end of the month. A great officer. Great guy. Gone. Another one gone, man. And it's just going to keep happening. But like I said, this guy was hired in 2020. You can only imagine why he was hired because that 2020 everybody was leaving. And guess what? During that time period, police departments were getting desperate like, man, do you want a job here? We don't care about your past. and hey, don't even worry about that background check, bro. We trust you. Just come to the academy. we get you through. we get you on the streets. That's what it sounds like, man, because this dude, he started making pornos in 2019. So, I mean, is it possible that the background check overlooked this or they just didn't notice it? Maybe, possibly, but it's, you're a police department. You are hiring people of high character and high quality to protect and serve the community. And that pump and hump the community. I mean, my man's busting nuts during business hours, homie. You can't do that, man. You got to choose, homie. You can't be (laughs) be a porn star and a cop at the same time. You know, I mean, maybe if he would have filled out an off-duty form like we have to. So when you go to work off-duty at a place like a bar or somewhere, you got to fill out a form. And on that form, you know, you have to tell what you're going to be doing, yada, yada, yada. I filled one out the other day to go work at the hospital so that I could watch over crazy people. And guess what? I'm fine like I said, maybe if he would have filled out the off-duty form, he wouldn't have been in trouble. (laughs) But then again, he wasn't off-duty. Like I said, he was on the clock busting nuts. So, man, it is what it is. I'm interested to see how this is going to turn out. Surely he's going to be fired. I couldn't see any other reason why they would keep him. But then again, Phoenix PD is hurting like any other major police department in the country right now. Like, man, look, hey, we don't like what you're doing, but we like your work. Your stroke game is tight, son. But unfortunately, we're going to need you to stop, okay? because we don't want to fire you. We can't afford to fire you. We need you. But could you stop busting nuts on the clock, please? (laughs) So that I imagine that is what that conversation is probably going to be like. (laughs) See, and this is the adverse effects of 2020. For every action, there's an equal but opposite reaction. And this is what the citizens are getting. Cops busting nuts on the clock because we are hiring people of questionable character. Now, I'm not saying every cop is going to be perfect. Cops are going to make mistakes. I mean, you, there was that, uh, what was it? I think it was in New York city, the, the new recruit officer, the rookie officer that was in New York city NYPD. She was dancing and grinding up on her, uh, lieutenant at a party. I mean, at least they were off still inappropriate and fraternization, but at least they were off the clock. You know, people try to give her hell for having an Instagram page, but I'm like, I'm cool with her having an Instagram page, man. It's freedom of speech. You know, I mean, hey, you're still a person when you're off the clock, but we just got to draw the line at some point in time, somewhere in this profession. between it comes to people being on social media and having their own personal lives, you know, we got to draw the line somewhere. And, you know, you want to flash a couple butthole pics on Instagram to a certain degree. OK, yeah, I, I, I understand that. But, you know, flashing a butthole pic with you getting railed or you railing somebody. Eh, that kind of crosses the line, man. That goes from that gray area into the black area where we just we can't do that in this profession, man. <laughs> we got to have some sort of standards. And clearly we have none no more. And I'm sure if he gets fired from Phoenix, PD, he could probably make his way to Tampa, Tampa, Florida, where the police chief actually just resigned after a small incident. She had after she got pulled over in a golf cart in their neighborhood. So the police chief, which I don't have her name here with me. I should have did a little better research. But so she and her husband are cruising in a golf court down the street and they get stopped by a deputy from the same county. And while she see that, well, this is happening. She decides to pull out her badge and like, hey, hey, psst, psst, just so you know, I'm the police chief of Tampa. And the deputy is, oh, you did look familiar. Oh, OK, yeah, I was just hoping you could let us go on this one. And so the deputy ends up letting her go. No big deal. I mean, it, it happens as this profession. So I guess he uploads the video and I guess his chain of command discovers the video and discovers that he let the officer go. And then the next thing you know, the mayor of Tampa is asked the police chief to step down because she used her position to get out of a ticket. And I extremely I disagree with her having to resign over that. So I don't know the Tampa police chief. Maybe some of y'all do. I just don't think that incident was one to which in which she should have to resign because, my God, that is something that happens all the time. But the thing is, you would think as long as she's been in law enforcement, she'd be smart about it. Like, you don't you know that this guy probably has a camera. You have to be subtle in doing this. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are out there listening and you are a young rookie officer and you don't know how to get out of a ticket when you get pulled over, let me expl- let let Dex explain to you how this goes when you get stopped and the officer walks up to your car you know what you tell the officer sir it is my duty to inform you that i am armed right now with my service with my service weapon that's all you need to say you don't have to say hey buddy i'm a cop i work in this county i was hoping you could let me go no you're doing too much you're putting yourself in a bad spot and you're putting that other officer in a bad spot. Don't put me in a bad spot when you shouldn't be speeding or you, and your tag should be up to date anyway. But if you do get caught, be smart about it. The police chief was not smart. You would think some, somebody that's a police chief would know better than to name drop like that. Man, you got to be sly with it, just like with my wife. What I do, I would never i would never told my wife. Anytime you got pulled over to tell him that your husband is officer Pitts. never do that. But what do I do? I'm subtle with it. I took one of my cards and I write my name on the back and write my name on and my code number. And I put it on the back of my wife's driver's license. That's what I used to do. And when she would get stopped and pulled over, hand her the driver's license and they turned it over. Oh, look at, Oh, I know who this is. Or they run the tag and they see the name and they'd be like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to let it go. Like I said, man, who hasn't tried to get out of a ticket? Lord knows I have everybody has nobody's perfect nobody's guilty but honestly those days are gone man the days of you getting pulled over getting a ticket and then going talking to your buddy that's a cop that knows somebody them days are gone so if you don't get it taken care of right there on the side of the road my brother good luck you going to court we can't help you because a lot that got put to death here in Louisville a couple years ago Uh, somebody an officer's son got pulled over got a ticket and he went and talk to the officer during the court date. The judge found out about it and big slap on the ding dong. And now nobody gets away with it. So like, said, you gotta be smart. You gotta be sly and you gotta be subtle about it, man. You can't just up and be like, hey, bro, I'm a cop. Let me roll. It don't work like that. So, and that's like I say, man, don't put another fellow officer in a bad compromising position to where you, that cop has to make a choice because of your bad decisions. Obey the law. I know everybody speeds, but don't be speeding crazy. I know sometimes you forget to uh, update your tag and registrations, but get it done. I got mines and so should you. Yeah, but for her to have to resign over that, man, I think a simple apology would suffice. But also, I understand the way it looks when you have a police chief trying to use their position of power. Hey, bro, it's perks of the job, man. It happens, bro. There's people that work in medical offices that get certain perks. And, you know, there's, you know, I'm a cop and there's just certain perks that come with the job, homie. Don't be mad at me. You made your choice to go work at a factory. You made your choice to work at McDonald's. You made your choice to work at Hardy's in the drive-thru and going to ask me for a tip. That was your personal choice. I made the choice to be a law enforcement officer. You should have chose a better career. I chose this one and it's done me well. And I'm very happy with it. But as I get ready to close the show out, I, I kind of want to circle back real quick, not necessarily to the Biden administration, but the Biden administration's obsession with the P Q I Z community and the trans community. Man, so I saw some stories the other day that I wanted to touch on real quick because it kind of gave me a little hope that maybe this country is not so far gone, that this place could still be saved, and that maybe common sense slowly starts to come back into the American way of life. You know, I was looking at these articles that came out and the first thing i thought was you know what time and patience are the greatest agents of truth time reveals all things and i know that america seems lost and everybody seems desperate because now we've gone so freaking far off the rails especially when it comes to this whole gender identity and trans identity and you know people trying to manipulate and n- neuter these children and chop their breast off and all these horrible surgeries on children, and I was just like, "Man, how do we even get to this point?" But is it can we turn around at this point? And I feel like we're at a point where maybe we're starting to turn the tide on this thing a little bit. So back in 2013, there was a Navy SEAL named Chief Christian Beck. He's a guy he served in the SEAL teams for 20 years. Honorable guy, man, a badass. Well, he comes out as a transgender and he starts to transition. And so he goes to the VA one day and he says that it only took an hour for him with his VA specialist, mental health specialist, for them to agree to put him on hormone blockers and and start to pump him full of estrogen to help him make the switch to living as a female. And he's a big dude, yo. So, man, like when the news got a hold of this story, They just and they used him as a media darling for the left. And look at this big, tough Navy SEAL. That's a transgender. And I mean, they man, this guy was on the news everywhere. He was a champion for freaking for the trans community. I mean, I heard him on the uh, Mic Drop podcast. It was one of the first Mic Drop podcasts where he was just going on about, you know, how, you know, we should support the trans community and support kids wanting to transition. I mean, he was on the front of every newspaper article. I mean, he had a book came out all about him being in the Navy SEALs and then transitioning and being a trans woman. It was just so weird and bizarre, you know? And, he, and if you ever said it was weird or bizarre, he would get really upset. And he would say, no, it's not weird or bizarre. We're just uncommon. You know, playing with the word salad, just trying to switch it up like, no, it's strange and bizarre, bro. That's, that's not a normal, average, everyday thing when somebody's a trans person. It's just not. But I read an article the other day. It said famous transgender Navy SEAL Chris Beck announces detransition calls for treatment on kids to stop. And then the article says he says everything you see on CNN with my face. Do not believe a word of it. Beck said everything that happened to me for the last 10 years destroyed my life. I destroyed my life. I am not a victim. I did this to myself, but I had help. I take full responsibility. I went on CNN and everything else. And that's why I'm here right now. I'm trying to correct that. This is a billion dollar industry between psychologists, between surgeries, between hormones, between chemicals, between follow up treatments. Beck stated the retired veteran said there are thousands of gender clinics opening in America, speculating that one each one will pull in millions. He expressed concern about the potential for children to be influenced, saying that the country needs to wake up. My God, man. Ten years ago, you know, I remember, re- like I said, I remember that story, but he just kind of fell off over the years. And now he's back in the news and saying that all this stuff is bad and that all this stuff is crazy and we need to wake up. That is why I say time and patience are the greatest agent of truth. It just takes time because at the time this was so full of emotion and so everybody was just all in on this story. And just like this guy's a hero. He's a champion. Like, look at him. Look at him. He's pulling for the trans community. But 10 years later, he's here. He is saying that all this stuff is bad. And and just to make kind of drive this home a little bit further. You know, I'm a big fan of the drinking bros, man. That's what I do. That's the reason I started my podcast. So shout out to Ross Patterson, Dan Holloway and the whole drinking bros crew. Love you guys. Appreciate the inspiration. But man, they had this young girl on there the other day. I believe she's 18, 19 years old now. Her name is Chloe Cole. Chloe Cole, at the age of 13, she started to experience signs of gender dysphoria. She felt like she was no longer a female. She just felt like she was a dude. Well, she goes and tells her parents and they go to counseling. And the counselor, instead of counseling her, starts pushing her towards transitioning to being a male. And at the age of 15, she undergoes a double mastectomy and has her breast chopped off. What 15-year-old child can make such a drastic drastic decision at that age about chopping their breast off? And these institutions, these medical institutions and doctors and therapists all encourage this. She says that they manipulated her, her mom, her dad and her family. And now her life is forever changed and ruined and she probably won't she won't even be able to have a child, she believes because of all the hormones she took when she was young. And so now that she's older, she's trying she's detransitioning. And I'm very happy that she's now going to start suing the medical pra- the medical industry for malpractice. And she said, "My goal in this lawsuit is to set a precedent that will change the landscape for those barbaric processes and to create a pathway for other de-transitions, detransitioners to seek justice." You know, America, we are at a turning point and we are at a pivotal point in our history. And man, this stuff is being jammed down our throats and our it's everywhere we go. I mean, everywhere, everything I turn on and watch, there's like a graphic gay sex scene or something, man. It's just everywhere I go. And it's just everywhere. You just see trans this trans that man. We America is under attack, man. This is a spiritual thing. This is a thing between good and evil, And I feel like the good guys won a major battle with these two stories, with Christian Beck 10 years later coming back and saying, this stuff is bad and we shouldn't do this, especially we shouldn't do it to children. Then you have Chloe Cole, who has the courage to come step forward and say, this is my story. This is what happened to me. And this is wrong. And we need to protect children. If you do not believe that we should be protecting children in this country, we have no earthly use for you and you should be done away with. And you know what I mean when I say that. If you don't believe in protecting children, there's something wrong with you and you will do not be need to be a part of the American future going forward. And the fact that we are there are people out are trying to make millions of dollars off of children pushing transgender ideology to children. is sick. And the fact that we have American government officials that push this poison, then we have the Biden administration pushing this poison even further. Putting transgender people in places of office. And I'm not saying that somebody that's trans can't be in office or be, you know, be an influential person. But when you start saying that it's okay to do this to children, we have a problem. When you have a president that entered that lets a freaking drag queen, a male drag queen, come to the White House that said kids are just out to sing and suck dick, that's a problem. And nobody said anything about it. And we have some people are just accepting this as the new norm, man. They are trying to do away with the term pedophile and trying to turn it into maps, a minor attractive person. This is the same type of crap from the book 1984, where if you want to change the culture, you start changing the speech. You start changing the language. And I'm not going for it. And nobody else should either. We have to protect our children. I am protecting my children. I have to monitor everything my children do because everything in this country right now is coming after our children. We should not be letting children decide that they want to change genders at the age of nine or 10 and giving children puberty blockers. there have been so many documentaries that have come out in the last year. Like what is a woman where you have grown people advocating to chemically castrate children. That's not okay. On any level, for some odd reason, they just keep pushing this and trying to make it normal, trying to make it okay that hey, I just want to go make love to an eleven-year-old. It's no, it's okay. It's not a problem. Yes, it's absolutely a problem. And I will go ahead and say this on this radio on on my podcast now: dead pedophiles don't reoffend. There is no, I don't believe that there's help for these people. I really don't. There's no help for them. Death is the only cure. Medical, you could chemically chemically castrate them. Guess what? They will still offend. I was on a sex offender roundup years ago when I was on the U.S. Marshal's Fugitive Task Force. And I remember we went to this one person's apartment and you could tell this guy was still out to make children his victims, to sexualize them and to do damage to him sexually. I mean, he had the kid video games, kid toys, I mean, toy dolls. And I'm like, why is he allowed to have this stuff? He's a sex offender. It, nothing was ever done about it. You know, he couldn't have the Internet. He couldn't have this stuff, but they still let him have all this other stuff. And I was like, this this should be a violation. This this is not cool. But nothing was done about it. So if you have children and you care about children, you don't want children to be hurt. I think it's high time that more people start to speak out and just realize when you start speaking up against evil, evil is going to try to do everything that it can to shut you down. When they start calling you a homophobe. Don't listen to them. Keep fighting forward. When they, talk, when they start telling you that, you no, know, you hate gay people, you hate trans people, keep fighting forward. Do not let them shut you down and keep you quiet. This hints is why I have a reason, or excuse me, a big problem with big tech, you know, conspiring with the government to shut down our freedom of speech and our access to information, which was shown by the Twitter file's release by Elon Musk. The government is complicit in all this. And like I say, if you don't believe it, just look at who Joe Biden has invited to the White House And look at who Joe Biden has put into office. That should tell you enough right there. You don't have to believe me. Just do the research for yourself. There's a problem. It needs to be solved and checked. And only the American people can check it. But you being afraid to speak out because of the ridicule that you would get online. Just like Chloe Cole. She said that the entire trans community turned against her when she came out and said, I'm detransitioning, that this stuff is bad. She gets death threats and people saying they want to hurt her because she doesn't go along with the narrative. Just like me when I say tell people I don't do it for the culture. You know what? Sometimes in this life you're going to have to walk alone and be your own person. And it's OK. You don't have to walk with the crowd. It's OK to be an individual. You don't have to co-sign on everything that's going on in popular culture. Yeah, it's going to suck sometimes when you're alone. But you know what? I'd rather be alone and stand on my convictions and what I know to be truth. Then to walk with the crowd and blend in and be a fool and be a phony, so, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Iron Pits podcast. Like I said, my bad has been a little longer than I anticipated. Stick with the brother as I try to adjust my life to being on night shift. Like I said, it's just good to be back in front of the microphone, man, and it's good to be back with you all. I've had a lot of people still reaching out to me. Man, thank you all for reaching out on my Instagram page. Like I said, be sure to follow me on Instagram and I am Pitts the number one. I am pits one on Instagram. Drop me a line. Drop me a message. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you hate. And also, I just want to tell you all my listeners. Y'all are freaking awesome, man. Y'all are absolutely awesome. I the other day, I just eclipsed 20,000 total downloads for the I'm pits podcast. Man, it almost brought a tear to my eye because I did not expect ever To get anywhere close with this amount of downloads or people following me, you know, so I mean, I don't know exactly how many followers I have, but I have enough apparently to where I'm eclipsing 20,000 downloads. So to each of you all that tune in every week or every other week to hear me talk and give my, you know, give my perspective on the world. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate each and every last one of you all and I wish you all nothing but the best. You all are freaking awesome, man like I said, I promise to keep making content as often and frequent as possible as I can. Hopefully I'm getting some good interviews coming up. But right now, like I said, it's been the holiday season and it's been a little crazy. Life has been all over the place. So like I say, forgive me for not being as consistent as I would like to be. And also I'm heading out of town this weekend, going to Florida with my family for the holidays. So going to go get some sunny rays in Orlando for about a week. And so. Also, while I'm in Florida, I'm hoping I get the chance to do that one interview that I've been wanting to do since I started my show. And that is my wife. God, I'm so excited for this interview that. We have both said, that hey, we're doing the interview when we're in Florida. So I hope that it happens. I really do. Because I really want to get her on the show because I want to get her perspective as a police wife from what it was like during 2020. Because that is one perspective that a lot of us don't know about or a lot of people have not heard about. Because like I said, when you serve in this profession, you don't serve alone. Your family serves with you. So, like I said, that's been the I Am Pitts Podcast. Like I said, my book is out, I Am Pitts, Memoirs of an American Patriot. You've heard me say it on here before, and I'm gonna keep saying it. Go and get the book, ladies and gentlemen. It's a good book. It's a good Christmas present. Go to Iampitz.com and order your copy. Or drop me an email at I Am Pits at yahoo.com and I will tell you how to order a signed copy from me directly. Also, like I said, follow me on Instagram, I Pitts one on Instagram. Follow me on Facebook at I Am Pits Memoirs of the American Patriot on Facebook and also the I Am Pits podcast page. Also the YouTube channel, the I Am Pits YouTube channel. You can listen on there. So I've been debating about the whole camera and video thing still up in the air, still debating it. Personally, I like doing the audio because I want I created this podcast with the thought of making it for people like me who are busy and on the go. Me. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't ever watch video podcasts. I just don't. I don't have time in my life to sit and watch people talk, but I can be active and moving around and listen to you talk. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm still kind of trying to decide if that's a that's a route I really want to go. I know it would open me up to a whole another audience, but I don't know if it's practical for my life at this point in time. But we shall see. So I'm going to go ahead and get ready to end this. And before I leave, just let me tell you all Merry Christmas to you all. I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas Hope you all enjoy your families, get lots of gifts, but don't forget the reason for the season, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate. I know it just, it's a pagan holiday, Dex. Not, hey, you know what? In my heart, that's what it's about. And that's all I care about. You can disagree if you want, but that's what I'm celebrating, man. We don't do it for the gifts. We do it for the Lord. So thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate each and every last one of you. All right. You all take care and I will see you on the next one.